Hey, hey, everybody. We are so excited to have you here today. I am Jess. I'm Shasta. And we are the Chicks in Charge. And today we have a very special guest. Her name is Petra Sherbin Fox. She is out of Arizona, and we are so excited to bring her on board today. But before we do that, I want to give everybody a quick a uh, quick reminder that Shasta, myself, Robin, and Beverly will all be at NIADA, and we have some cool swag. We've Beverly got will not be. Oh, no, Beverly won't be. That's true. We have some coasters, pins. Um, Guys, yes, look at these. Look at stickers. these. I made yes. these. These are so cool. On those. And these will, these will be available at the conference. I have um, a bunch of these. They're all with me right now in a secret um, Area 51 location. Um, you're not allowed to know where I am, but um, they are with me, and they will be at the conference. If anybody so, has any guesses as to where Shasta is, put them in the comments. I'm just curious where ooh. everybody thinks. So this will be a fun game. Yes. All right. Before we bring Petra on, please remember to share the show, tag your friends, and without any further ado, I will go ahead and bring Petra on. Here she is. Hey, Petra. Hi. Hey, how are you, girl? I'm living a dream, the, the Arizonian dream right now. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Petra, is it so hot there right now? It is so hot. And the thing is, is that how hot it is here would be considered like close to a heat wave in New York. And they're like, well, this is just the beginning. This is nice. I'm like, this is nice. So I'm going to melt in a few months. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, I lived no there for, I lived there for what, one, one or two months, um, years ago. And, um, I think when I moved there in October, um, the day I arrived, it was like 110 and I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm right back out. Yeah. I don't know. And my son plays football, so I will be outside in the heat. That's the thing. Yep. It is dry heat. It's not as bad, but it's still a culture shock for somebody who is from the East Coast and sure. is like, that's true. But it's better than one degree weather, which is what we moved here with. So I'm like, you know what? I guess it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so Patrick, you, know, you know, let our viewers know, you know, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Give us a little bit of a backstory. I always have a hard time putting this like into a quick snippet. Mm -hmm. um, I am Patriot Sherbin Fox. Um, I am a mom of three. My husband's active duty Air Force. Um, I have been in the automotive industry for over 11 years. This makes my 12th year or my 11th year. Over 10 years, for sure. My math is not great. Um, and I'm, I think I'm just one of those people. <laughs> modest. Um, I think I'm one of those people that uh, I like to um, really focus on connections. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about. So I try to make connections wherever I go with people um, and uh, and create those those just those relationships. Um, so that's just a little bit about me. Fun. I love that so much. So so I know that you mentioned that your husband is in the Air Force. Where all have you lived? So we lived in um, Florida, Germany, and New Jersey, and now we're in Arizona. Wow, you do travel. How how do you how often do you think that you guys move? So the last two times were like rare cases. Um, we left. We were in Germany for two and a half years. Um, his brother at the time got really sick, so we had to move back. So we moved back 
and then we were in Jersey for three years and then moved here. So usually it's about three years overseas and then like four years at the stateside basis. Um, but yeah, our Germany trip got cut a little short. Okay. So, so I know that right now you're not currently in a store, right? Because you guys just moved to Arizona. So you're kind of just looking for your home there, right? Yeah, basically we got here in January and I have three kids. So, you know, I have to make sure everybody had their appropriate places taken care of. Um, so now that I'm a little bit settled, I'm now looking, um, you know, for what's next for me. Are you wanting to stay in automotive? I think I want to stay in automotive. I just don't want to go back into retail. Okay. <laughs> I, I started off in retail. I was a single mom of one. Um, I'm now, you know, married woman with three children. I, I just, there's no way I could do the 60 hours, the bell to bell. And why I don't think that that's necessary to be effective. I just want to put that out there. Bell to bell is very archaic. <laughs> the dinosaur age, not necessary um, for any store to be successful. But a lot of these stores are into that mentality and um, just can't do that anymore. Sure. Being, being a working mom is hard, especially being a working mom in such a demanding industry sure. and, and retail is. So so would you be open to going to the vendor space for all of our vendor friends, partners that are watching right now? Um, Petra is available if you want to snag her up. I think that she would be an amazing asset to any team. Petra, give us a little bit of, you know, what what do you look for in a in a job or a career whenever you're looking for that next place to call home? What are you looking for? Um, definitely the work-life balance, right? I'm in a space now where I've done a lot of, I've done the bell to bell. I've done the six days a week. Um, I'm very efficient in my job. I know what is expected of me, what I need to do. Um, and I've learned to work smarter, not harder. Um, I've also had to work through the guilt of doing that, right? I remember when I was a single mom and it's like, it's a Saturday, my son has the game. I need to be there for Saturday yep. from bell to bell. And I felt bad for actually yep. leaving work. Knowing yep. that it wasn't going to burn down, like it was the, the show was yep. not going to stop because I had to go. I had a team of people that were more than qualified, but it was the idea that if I wasn't there, I wasn't showing to the people around me, the GSMs, the GMs, the, you know, the dealer principals that I was worthy of the position that I had. Um, and so I worked, I had to work through a lot of that guilt. Um, and one of my old bosses told me, and I'll never forget, he said, get your priorities in order. One, two, three. Two never comes before one. And so I had to make a hard choice. And I actually, before I, before I like um, left my previous position, I did kind of step down into a, a, a lower role in terms of the time that I was in there. And I had to sacrifice some of my salary to be able to do that. Which patron now is like, do I should I really have sacrificed my salary for that? <laughs> um, but at the time, it felt like that's what I had to do. Um, and, um, and I was willing to do that because at that point I knew that being a mom and being a present mom was important for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump right into this because I know that you had an incident happen to you at your, at a previous store, not necessarily the last one that you were at, but at a previous store that you, um, you had a situation happen. And I think it's really important that we don't necessarily focus on the negative of what the situation was, but that we focus on how men and women can come together to make sure that your female coworker, your female employee feels safe, is safe in their work environment. Yeah. So um, I was, let me just preface this really quickly. We, when you work anywhere, you spend a lot of time together. 
more time than you yes. usually spend with your families, your mm -hmm. husband, your friends, your children. 50, 60 hours a week at work is a long time. And so it's natural for connections to be to, to be to happen. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not uncommon or abnormal. But what is abnormal is when somebody tells you that they're not interested in having any kind of relationship outside of this working relationship. Once you take, once you kind of cross that boundary, that's where things get sticky. And so I want to just be clear that I understand that things happen, right? And I understand that, you know, connections are made and I'm not speaking on that. I'm speaking on when there's a clear crossing of a boundary and what that looks like. Yes. So I, um, I had a position, I had a, a person who was superior to me. Um, again, I was a single mom. I was in survival mode. I needed a job. I had to provide for my child and I was sexually harassed. Um, it started off as very subtle, like make sure you wear heels to work. Um, make sure that you have your hair done a certain kind of way. And so there's two things to this, right? I'm a woman. I'm also a black woman. And talking to women of color about their hair and how they're supposed to behave and act, there's a lot of there was a lot of layers to it. But for the for the sake of this conversation, it was that it started off like that. Make sure that you don't wear pants. You got to wear a skirt. The skirt has to be a certain length. Um, uh, and that's how it started. And when it started, I was a little bit like, what the heck? But I also was like, maybe he wants me, you know, I'm young. Maybe he wants me to, to, to prove myself and to show up as a more professional. Cause I, you know, I was, I was 21. So I was acting like I was 21 sometimes, you know what I mean? And sometimes you don't make the best decisions. So I was also trying to give this person the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. um, but it was one day I walked into his office and he looked at me and told me he was in love with me. And I was like, wow. Married man, very married, oh. saw his wife every single day. Wow. And I was like, okay, let me be very clear. You don't even know me. You don't know me. You know who I am here. It's not who I am. I said, let's just right. act like this conversation never happened. I'm not interested. Yep. I do not want to explore this. I don't want anything. And he asked me out to dinner. I was like, did you understand what I just said? Nope, he, so, sure didn't. he sure didn't. <laughs> he, he made it very clear that he didn't, right? So I walked out of the office clearly frazzled because I'm one of those people, you know, like people will say, do you have an indoor face? Like the inside voice? Mm -hmm. I don't have that. I'm like, it's all over my face. And so I walk out and I'm like, this is not going to, and I just had a bad feeling. I had a bad feeling, but I also was not in a position to make any changes in terms of losing my job. I just didn't have that flexibility at that point in my life. So it went on for a couple of weeks and um, he eventually just kept on like trying. I'm like, can you please stop? Could you stop? Like, I need you to stop. And I remember one day it was a Sunday and he called my cell phone 52 times, 52 times. And I lived close enough to the, the, the store where I could just drive to the store and call off the work phone because I knew the work phone was recorded. So I felt at that point, whatever you had to say, that was such an emergency. If it is work related, let's get it on the, you know, on the record. Yep. And it yep. was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't need you. Yeah. I didn't need you for anything. Then why the hell were you calling me 52 times on a Sunday? So that happened. And again, it, kept, it was a subtle thing. And then once I, once I stopped like making like space between him and I, he started to make it very clear that he had a problem with me. So we had interviews. There were days we had like 50, 60 interviews a day. And I would do half of those and we shotgun interviews. And he would talk to another girl to talk to me. 
So that happened for a little bit. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I have to make some changes. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm, I'm single, but I, I started to realize that this is not going to get any better. Though I didn't think he was really a threat to me, it was still uncomfortable. Sure. I was at my house. I was. I had my dry cleaning. Walked down this. Down the, I was living in a four flight um, apartment. Walked down. Came out my door, and I and I saw my peripheral vision. The man's car. It was a distinct color. Oh my goodness! Like, There's no way this man is at my house. There's no way this man is at my house. So I walked. I kept on walking, and then I walked back. Kind of the the dry cleaner was closed. I walked back, and he was like, "I have something for you." I'm like, "Why the fuck are you here?" How do you know where I live? And that was when I got scared. That mm-hmm. was when I got scared. So um, he handed me a note. And he told me that he was in love with me, but not in like a, a sexual way, but like he wants to see me grow and he wants to see me like groom me. It was very sick. It was a very mm-hmm. sick, like sick thing. Mm-hmm. And I had like a little fling at the time and he came up to the store and he was like, don't talk to her again. If you don't like, leave her alone. And he still was persisting, but in like very subtle ways. So I, at that point, was like, okay, I'm in danger. I felt I was in danger. I didn't know what was gonna, what could happen. So I went to the police station. I went to, back and forth to, to two police stations where it happened and where I lived. I mean, where I worked and where I lived, which is two dif- different jurisdictions. And um, nobody wanted to help me because sexual harassment is not considered a criminal offense. Until I sat down in the police station and I was like, okay, if. You guys don't help me. This is a really great possibility, very big possibility. I will be in here in a body bag. That's how serious this is. And this gentleman, I forgot the detective's name. I wish I did. Well, not you know for these purposes. But I wish I did just for my own purposes. Um, but he's like, I'm going to help you. I see that you're scared. And they, um, they, uh, they gave me a restraining order. The crazy thing was I never told anybody at the dealership, but somebody found out. Hmm. I don't know how he found out. To this day, I don't know how he found out. But I went to the I went to the owner and I said, listen, this is happening. And he told me, could you work for him a couple more days? I'm like, no. Wow. I did not There's work a restraining him. order. Right. This is before this happened. Like it, it was like up leading up to this, like, like in the middle of me trying to get a restraining order. And like, I'm like, I cannot work with him. Like, this is I, I can't work. And he's like, just a couple more days. And then he brought his lawyer and his lawyer was like, um, you need to let go of him right now. Mm-hmm. Let's not have a couple days. And the person who found out, he actually advocated for me. And he came into the, into the meeting with me when I felt so afraid to even have this conversation because I was already shut down. And he was like, if you do not get her help, she leaves here. At, I left some days at 11 o'clock at night by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, he risked his job helping me. And he got he got arrested. He um, We got like a permanent restraining order, all the things. But it was a it was a drawn out process, and at first it was a lot of resistance from the the owners and the, and the management, um, and I had to get very 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 demanding, um, and I don't think I should have had to do that. If I'm telling you that something is going on, you know it, that should have been it. But it, it did take a couple of days of back and forth, and if I didn't have somebody who stood up for me, I'm not sure what would have happened. That situation could have been a lot different. A lot different. It could have definitely gotten a lot worse, you know, as well. So, so I think the whole point here is, you know, the, the gentleman that helped you get out of that situation, um, in that moment, he, he was pretty much your only hope. The only, he was the only person that came to help you because up until that point, the police didn't want to help you. The, the owner didn't want to help you. Nobody there cared about the actions that this guy was taking 
um, at the store to a female employee. So, so, you know, what, what can men do to be more observant? What should they be looking for? Go ahead, Jessa. That's okay. Okay. I'm reading this uh, comment from Robin. I'm I'm delayed. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. She wrote, most women will quit and walk away from their career and never advocate for themselves. And that's very true, right? Because what ends up happening is, is that we are now fearful of what's going to happen with retaliation. Um, and, and what was that, what's that going to look like? And it's, and I, and I, the only reason why I didn't quit was because I had no choice. My, my entire, my entire livelihood depended on this job. Um, and, and if it, and if it didn't, I'm sure I probably would have just walked away because it would have been an easier route. It would have been so much easier just to do that. But at that, at some point I got, I was started to be connected to that. I will not allow this to happen. And Again, I would not have been able to to even make this this this. I wouldn't have been able to kind of get through this without somebody having a voice for me because I, I almost felt like I wasn't I didn't have a voice. I wasn't going to be heard. Um, and so I think it's really important for men to understand that women should always feel comfortable in an environment, right? And so making little sly remarks, and if a woman says that she doesn't like it, then stop. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to explain to you and have a whole conversation about it. If you make a comment and I'm telling you I don't like it, stop. And if you see somebody doing it and clearly making women uncomfortable, because you can tell on a woman's face and our body language, how we react, that we're uncomfortable. But we don't have the, sometimes the confidence to say, could you please stop? Because it's our superiors. Yep. And the, right. the, the car industry is male dominated and i was already used to having to throw my boxing gloves on and explain to the gsms why the bdc isn't failing every single day it it was almost i was feeling like fatigued with having to fight every single day and and at that point i felt so defeated already and i thought that well i'm gonna lose my job but at one at once i got like halfway through he came to my house i'm like oh he he doesn't care he doesn't, he literally doesn't care. He's going to do what he wants to do. And at this point, if it's going to be me or him, it's going to be him. It's not going to be me. There you go. Exactly. So yeah. I hear, I hear stories from women still to this day. There's, um, there's groups and I've mentioned this before on the show. There's groups out there for women, um, in the industry, not even the whole industry, but, um, specifically who work in dealerships, um, and I would say at least once every, if not once a week, once every two weeks, I hear a story similar to yours that's still currently going on. What piece of advice would you give to somebody who's in this situation right now where they have, um, where they feel they have nowhere to go to? They feel that, you know, even if they've tried um, going to a manager, tried going to somebody else and feel that they're not being heard or that, you know, maybe their HR department has the manager's back or it doesn't take them seriously or they don't have proof. Um, what would you recommend to them? I think, I think first and foremost, I think we, we, there has to be a decision that we have to make internally, right? And what I ended up doing for myself was saying, okay, I'm willing to risk it all. And that was a decision I had to make. Otherwise, I would have kind of just still stayed in my shell. I'm willing, I'm not going to allow this to break me down and I'm willing to risk whatever I need to risk to be able to get out of the situation. And also try to find somebody you can confide in. There has to be somebody in the dealership that you're close with. When you're spending this much time together, friendships, real friendships that are are forged in these spaces. And you have to use that, that friendship to your advantage. Um, And honestly, if, if it comes down to it, 
get a lawyer, get an attorney, get somebody that you can speak to and figure out what the legalities are in each state. Because again, sexual harassment in the workplace is not a criminal offense. It's not. I only got a, a, a restraining order because he actually harassed me and stalked me. And there's people that are probably experiencing this too, right? But um, speaking up and saying something goes a long way because if we continue to just you know, keep our heads down and when we're uncomfortable, we don't say anything, we have almost allowed the behavior, whether it's right or wrong, but if we don't say something, we made somebody believe that it's okay. And yep. if we yep. start by saying, I don't like that. Don't do that. And right. it's something I teach my children. Like, you know, having self-advocacy is the most powerful thing that I think a lot of us mm-hmm. have not been taught. We have not been taught to speak up. Yep. You know, I know as little children, you, you know, we see our grandparents and your mom was like, give your grandma a hug. Yep. And it's like, I don't want to give grandma a hug. Grandma, she, she's hugged me for too long. And it's like, no, that's your grandmother. You have respect for her. You give her a hug. My mm-hmm. kids, if you don't want to hug grandma, you ain't got to hug grandma. Because that's teaching them that as children, you have a voice and your feelings matter. And I think our generation, I know you guys are a little bit younger than I am, but you know, 25 and up, we have been taught to have respect, spoke when spoken to, all of these things. And the next generation is going to be like, listen, my mama said, I don't got to hug you if I don't want to hug you. You That goes a long way because when you start to practice that as children, you're like, oh, okay, now I'm going to know that speaking up for myself is actually my way of honoring myself. And I'm supported in that. And I'm not going to shy away from it. But initially, that was my hardest thing. How do I say something? Yep. Right. Well, I think that- guys, guys, I see a lot more people popping in the comments. If if, if yeah. Petra's story is speaking to you, please um, share this video. Um, we want her story to speak to so many others. You never know who is going through this currently and who her story could speak to and honestly, whose whose life this could change. So please share this. We want this to reach as many women as possible um, and men as well. Um, there could be men in a similar situation as well. We don't want to exclude them or make them feel like, um, you know, like there's not a chance that they could be in that situation too. Well, and I think that it's important for people to understand that if you witness something like this, and you don't speak up, not only are you not speaking up and ignoring the problem, you are enabling the problem. So whether you directly doing the actions or not, if you witness it and you don't do something to stop it, you are part of the problem. Absolutely. And we can't, the thing is we also can't, you know, we can't, if we keep on sweeping things under the rug, what happens next? Mm-hmm. Right? Have we made this decision that all these behaviors are acceptable or the men that are watching it and that are, and even the women that are watching it and not saying anything because like, I have a lot to lose. We, we all understand that, right? We all, there's going to be sacrifices and things that are going to be residual, you know, damage. We understand that. But at the end of the day, when we're trying to cre- create a space of inclusivity and a space where everyone is feeling safe because safety is important. If, safety, if you're not safe, how could you really do your job to the best of your abilities? Right. You can't, you know, and if you don't feel valued. And so like when the, when the gentleman told me like, yeah, uh, could you work a couple more days? I'm like, oh, so for you, I'm just an employee, yep. right? You don't care whether I'm safe or I'm not. You just want me to have the numbers, provide the, the whatever I'm here to provide for your company. And that's you're it. You're a dollar sign. That, that's it. And I'm expendable, exactly. right? I'm also expendable. So I'm expendable and I'm just here to do what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's like, it's like a shut up and dribble. Yep. You know what I mean? Like just yep. do your job and that's what your responsibility is. And, 
And I mean, again, in this day and age, people are not going to just shut up and dribble. We're not going to just be quiet yep. and, and, and stay, stay shut off. But we are going to start having these uncomfortable conversations. And part of it is having these uncomfortable conversations. If your friend is doing something or a gentleman that you know that is doing something that's obviously, you know, it's inappropriate. Yep. Then say something, yes. right? At least sometimes when it starts, very little to lose. When it becomes like my situation, yeah, then it becomes, there's collateral damage that happened at that point, right? But, but that, because it had gotten to that space. But the guy who stood up for me, he was willing to lose his job helping me. Right. And so yep. for me, that was like, I, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that I was worthy of that kind of support at that point in time of my life. Exactly. I love your school. And I was, I was telling a story to, um, not really a story, but explaining something. So um, we are here in Florida and I have two of our um, staff in the BDC here with me, um, Isaac and Joanne. And uh, we were going over to a friend's house yesterday, uh, one of our friends in automotive, uh, Scott Trainer and Ariana Pisano. And I was uh, explaining to him yesterday, explaining to Isaac, um, the importance of having friends in the automotive industry and what it means to a woman to have a safe male friend. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, I said, uh, Scott's one of those people that no matter what situation I'm in, no matter where I'm at, if I'm ever in a place where I feel unsafe, or if I if I were to feel like I'm in danger, I know I can give him a look from across the room, and he would be there in an instant. Yeah. I have no doubt whatsoever in my mind. And we need those people. So yes. so it's, it's important for the men in the industry to be those guys, to not just um, to not just be not a predator, but to be the safe people that we can count on to be above rapport, re reproach. Is that the right word? Why do I feel like that's not right? Above reproach. I feel like that's right. <laughs> Robin will come at me in the comments if I'm not. <laughs> but to be to go above and beyond to know and prove that, hey, no matter what, I've got your back. And to know, and to for us as women to be there for them too. And hey, no matter what, I've got your back, no matter what you go through, that we can always be there for each other. You know, it doesn't just have to be women being there for women and men being there for men, that we can have that for each other. That's so, so, so important. Yeah. Well, and I think that- Just to piggyback off that Shasta, you know, I think about whenever we were at NADA and although our situation was much different and less severe. Um, you know, we had a bunch of drunk guys that were at a concert and they just, they would not leave Shasta and I alone. I mean, straight up, straight up, just kept coming at us. You know, are you guys married? Are you happy with your husbands? Are you sure you're happy with your, you know, just the slimy crap. Disgusting. Disgusting crap. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely more vulgar than what I'm saying on, on the show right now. Um, but at the end of the day, we were able to turn around and we saw our our friends in the automotive industry, the people that we knew and who we knew were safe men in the industry right behind us. And the second we told them, they didn't leave our side until we got out of the venue. Yeah. They, and made sure that the guys were nowhere around. And that's, that's the importance of having those connections in the industry um, and making sure that you are connecting with the right people because they had our back. And we know that had anything gone south in that moment, they wouldn't have hesitated to have our back then either. Well, and we always want to share the message that it's not, we never want men to feel like we're sitting here pointing the finger at every single one of you and saying oh, that you yeah. guys are all the problem because we're not. We do know there is a problem. 
it still exists. Yes, there is a massive problem in this industry, and it's it's not just the industry; it's it's across the world. Um, there is a problem. We have to talk about it. We <laughs> Robin says yes above reproach. Thank you. Um, we have to make sure that there that no person in this industry goes to work for a single day and feels unsafe or feels unprotected or feels that they cannot securely or positively do their job because I have to watch over my shoulder or I have to look behind my back or I have to wonder who's going to follow me home. They should be able to just go to work and do their job and go and make money for their family and do what they have to do. That's all they should have to worry about is, you know, who's, who's ass am I kicking today? That's it. Yep. And it got and very, it, it, got very it got very scary after for me. Cause I was on high alert. I had to get mace. I, it was, it got very, very, very crazy because then I, now I'm afraid. Right. And like I said, and I, at first I'm like, he's not going to do anything. And then I'm like, Oh, Oh, he will do something. Yep. So I almost underestimated, you know, the level yep. of, crazy that he was and the level of infatuation it was it couldn't have been love like (laughs) you know like what it it was it was very scary and so it took me even years to you know going through it is one thing but then actually healing through it is another process um and it was very hard for me it was very hard for me to find um that connection with other other men in the industry because at first I ended up feeling like okay what's What's the, what are you trying to do? You know, um, right. luckily I've had some amazing, amazing, I've met amazing men in this industry. Um, right. And I won't let one, you know, rotten apple spoil the bunch, but um, I think it's important. Like I said, for you guys to even had this conversation, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity and the space to be able to do that um, because it is something that I struggle with even talking about. Um, and I know when I told you guys, I was like, oh, I feel comfortable sharing with you. I don't think I've really told many people uh, about it. And the reason why I didn't was because it does bring up a lot of feelings and it brings up a lot of like what I could have done differently. And I, and I struggle with that. Oh, what could I have done different? Like, girl, you could have done nothing different. That's that All this has nothing to do yep. with you, right? Um, and then we will do that. So like there's so much, there's a, the process of what happens to you, the healing through it, the not taking the responsibility that's, you know, that's not yours and the blame that's not yours. Um, and, um, it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, but again, even for women, for men, for all of us to come together and just provide those spaces. Like I always, I believe when people feel valued and feel invested in, they will work 10 times harder for you. Right. And so if you allow, if you create that space where people can work together, they can, you know, they feel valued. They feel like they're not just a number. Like I had, Mm -hmm. so I had, my department had like 50 people under me. And everyone felt mm-hmm. cared for because it wasn't, if there was no you guys, there's no me. Yep. Right. Who am I, what am I going to manage if I don't have, a, you know, I have five, six, seven stores under me and I can't do all by myself. So it's building that value in the people and, and, and what they're going through. And they're there. We're all living this human experience. Um, right. And a lot of, a lot of employers are missing that human aspect of it. You can't measure results without measuring the relationships and the value of people because if you, Treat them, treat them well. They're going to show up every single time and exceed the expectation and the goals. But if you treat them like crap, you're gonna get crap results. Yeah. Exactly. They yeah. won't be loyal to you whatsoever. 
Well, I mean, it's, right. a, it's a you get what you pay for type of scenario. Exactly. Yeah. If you get, if you're paying shit dollars, you're going to get that. And then why would they say loyal to you? They're going to be looking for the next opportunity because they're not, they're not getting their needs met. They're probably not getting paid well. They're coming to work and they're not doing well. So their mental health is a, is a concern. Yep. You know? Wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, Petra, it's about time to wrap this up. We greatly appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. We know that that wasn't the easiest story for you to tell, but we also know how important it is for the industry to hear stories like yours and to um, be able to make a difference and hopefully eventually get these situations to stop altogether. Even, if, maybe- we, even if we impacted one person, then I hope that it was worth it for you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's definitely, um, it's worth it. It's these conversations are necessary, and the ones that are really uncomfortable are the ones that are absolutely most necessary to have. So I appreciate this space. Absolutely. Thank you, Robin. I'm working on getting a job, Robin. <laughs> um, I'm sorry you guys hear my dogs barking. They're just crazy right now. It happens. It happens. Well, you know, as Robin mentioned in the comments, let's help Petra get a job because she has recently relocated to Arizona and is looking for a position still in the automotive space, but on the vendor side of things. So if you are a vendor in the automotive space, reach out to Petra. Petra, where can people reach you at? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm taking an Instagram break right now, but um, yeah. So LinkedIn is where I'm, I'm trying to be a lot more, you know, um social and a lot more present um facebook is awesome so awesome yeah all right guys well i guess it's time to wrap it up so i will go ahead and start in a world where you can be anything be kind you never know what somebody else is battling that week so whenever you go out into the world remember to light it up we have been the chicks in charge i am jess i'm shasta that was really good i know (laughs) all right guys Have a great week. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye.